we're going into Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 13 and 14, and the, the words here are very precious as well. We are actually completing our study today on our identity in Christ. We're, we've been on it now for 19 messages, and that covers quite a bit of territory. For verse 3 through 11, we've, or 14, we've done pretty good in filling all this uh, time spending on what Christ has done for us in Ephesians chapter number 1. Is anybody yet wanting to quote the passage to us? Anybody been memorizing it? We've had a few people do it already. I don't want to leave you out and say, Pastor, just cut it off so quick. Nobody? Okay. We're going to have to say it together then. You ready? Okay. It's coming up on the screen. We read it together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love... One more. In love, He predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. You know what? Some of you have it memorized and you haven't even told us it because when the slides didn't turn, you kept going. And I said, aha, aha, I know somebody out there knows it. But uh, some of you did do that. And maybe you just don't... uh, want to memorize. Maybe that's just a hard thing to do. But uh, the words that we have been studying for this length of time are very, very dear to us. And I hope they are more so now than you have ever spent time in a passage like this before. Because uh, we are seeing the incredible love our Father has for us. And blessed be His name. 
That's the way the passage starts, and he gets the glory for this. And what an amazing thing. Today, again, another step into a, amazing things he's done for us. In verse number 14, the very last phrase that we read, uh, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit of promise, who's given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. That sounds like a lot of complicated little words. But uh, I think you're going to find them very dear to your heart. Uh, Heavenly Father, help us with this passage today. Help us to see you and to understand what you have done for us. And view ourselves from your lens and rejoice and bring praise to your name for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for giving us our identity in Christ. What a gift. What a precious gift. We thank you for this. Help us to... Study today and, and understand it and take it to heart and live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This I, I call a redemption of possession. That's the phrase you're looking at in front of you here. The idea of a redemption is not new to us in this passage at all. Verse number 7 brought it up first. When we were back uh, earlier, he mentioned in verse number 7, in him... In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, or trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Redemption. Redemption through his blood. It's the picture of a, a payment being made for release, to set something free. And it's actually even deeper than that, because we've talked about it. Apolutrao is the word. And I picture it more like a crowbar prying us away from something that we were so stuck to, we would never get out of that. If it wasn't for Christ, we'd still be lost in our sins. And so we praise the Lord for his, his uh, death on our behalf. He caused a release to be possible from the things that we were in bondage to. Notice in verse 7, just for a minute, it was redemption through his blood. And we underscore that. We understand that really it is the work of Christ on that cross which has set us free from sin and death. Nothing else will set you free from sin and death but the blood of Christ. He paid that price. Understand this for a second, please. He paid that price. So how much do you owe? If he paid for the price, what's left? Nothing. He paid it all. We sang that song a little bit ago. Jesus paid it all. The bondage to sin has been broken. He made that possible. But here Paul writes, if we given into Romans 6 and spent eternity there, that would be great. But Paul goes on to say, and if you've been set free, don't go back into that bondage. Don't go back there. Don't continue in sin. You see, the trap has been sprung. The, the prison has been opened. Why should we linger in it? Why should we go back there? Why should we treat it as if that's our home? I like to think that since he takes the, the sinner who's dead in trespasses and sins and makes him alive together with Christ, I shouldn't continue to play in the cemetery, Right? And that's how I like to remember this, and I hope we can hear the point. Or do I need to make it more direct? Here it comes. 
If we are set free by the blood of Christ from the penalty of sin, then we are to live like we have been set free. That's what we're called to do. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1 verse 4, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, because I am holy. So here in Paul's passage, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us through the blood of Christ we have this redemption. What a wonderful gift that is. And when we crossed that word, we thought, well, okay, we dealt with redemption. Let's just move on and move on and move on. And here we get to the last verse of the passage, and redemption pops up again. And you say, oh, well, it must be that big of a deal. It is. It is. He, he, he has before qualified it by, you've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he showed how that was accomplished. And now he qualifies it another way. Notice how it says it in verse number 14 here. He says, Who has given us a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Now, if you're reading a different translation, we'll talk about that in a minute. But do you know how he qualifies the redemption in this verse? By you. By you. What has been accomplished in this entire study we've been on here is down to simple words now. You have been purchased. You have been purchased. You belong to God. That's what He has done. Literally, what we are looking at here is a redemption of possession. Who owns you? That's what the text is coming to. Who owns you? The King James, if you're reading that this morning. A redemption of the purchased possession. What was purchased? You are. The Lexham version, a newer one that's out. The redemption of the possession. The New American I'm reading here. The redemption of God's own Possession. That word God's own is added in there. You might notice it's italicized if you're reading the New American Standard Version. The, the translators had this little trick, uh, not trick exactly, it's a technique more. Uh, but if they had to put a word or two into a verse that's not in the original, but they wanted you to know that they're trying to clarify the thinking so you know what that means, and they're not going to give you a thousand words. They put a couple of words in there and italicize them so you get the gist of what they see. And they see this is what the redemption's all about. God's own possession. God's own possession. I, I think that's fine. Matter of fact, I kind of like it because it corresponds very well to another verse, 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 20. Some of you know this. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. You were bought with a price. A, a possession. You're a possession. A thing that is made. Poieto is a Greek word for to make or to do. And this word is this. This is the noun of that verb. And it means something that is made or something that is accomplished. 
something that is a finished product. It's something ready to be picked up and taken home. Stores are full of these kind of things. Isn't it nice? You go to the store, you pick out an item, it's already made for you. Well, it's supposed to be. I know there's exceptions, right? I, I don't know why people, if you want to buy a, a rocking chair today, you've got to build it yourself. It comes in a flat box. You know, I don't get that. But at least they're not making us do that with crock pots. You go and you buy these things, and they're supposed to be really made. They're put in their boxes, they're labeled, they're priced, they sit on the shelf, and you purchase them, you take them home, and that's the way it's supposed to work, right? It was over 20 years ago when I got a call from a friend in in our church that we were uh, serving in Indiana. He told me that I was going to get a call on the telephone. He says, you're going to get a call from a processing company. I said, okay. He says, they're coming the next day, and what they need from you is instruction on how you want your pig processed. I didn't own a pig. (laughs) And he says, "Um, I took the pig there, and I told them to call you and tell you were to tell them how that is supposed to be processed. I told them that it's yours. So I got that call. And that was a really strange thing for me. I'd never tried that before. But I had to divide it up into hams and roasts and chops and, you know, bacon and all those other important things, ribs and such like that. I I felt like a kid in a candy shop. I mean, that's open up the whole meat counter to me and say, do what you want. And I was really, really quite amazed with that. I did not keep the ears or the the little feet either, for that matter. But uh, anyway, it just seemed odd to be making an order like that because I'd never had it before and that process of of that ownership didn't seem real it didn't seem real and so sometime later I got the call from the processor again and they said uh, my order was ready and I could come and get it and so we drove out there and and went into the store and uh they stepped into the back and they came out with this very large cart full of white packages of all these, these parts that I had ordered. Every single package had my name on it. It was labeled. Every single one of them had my name on that package. They said, this belongs to you. I took it home. Why? Because it belonged to me. I took that home and... and uh, We filled up the freezer with that. I got that same call twice a year. Just before Christmas and just before Easter. I would get that call from that family. After a while, my kids started to go over to the farm, see where the pigs were being brought up, and they'd kind of pick one. And so the Christmas pig was named Mary, as in Merry Christmas. And the Easter pig was named Lily. And it was not uncommon, sitting at the table, somebody would say, is this Mary or Lily? <laughs> and uh, it was just kind of fun because it was, it was just something that was done for us. But I still picture those packages with our name on it. And I thought, wow, that, that was very impressive to me. That was very meaningful to me. When we get to this verse 14, I want you to see it in a simple expression God's own possession 
means his name is on you. You belong to him. You are his accomplishment. Do you know that? It's what he has done. Matter of fact, there is another passage in uh, Scripture where it says, We are his workmanship, chapter 2, verse 10. That's the same word we get poem from. We are his masterpiece. We are his poem. That's his work. That's what he's accomplishing. You are his accomplishment. You are what he has done. Let me explain a little bit more of what I mean, and then we're going to put it back into its context here in Ephesians chapter 1. So, so often we do this, and I think it's very appropriate that we do it this way. But consider again the condition you were in prior to your salvation. Ephesians points it out so well in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, where it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. And verse 3 is the kicker. He says, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's a terrible description. Go to chapter 4. We won't even leave this book for a minute. 4, chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. Now he's speaking about uh, how your testimony as a Christian ought to be different. He says, therefore I say to you, and testify to the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walked. And then he describes them, and this is who we were before we were saved. They walked in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their mind, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. <laughs> Not complimentary, is it? Ugly, ugly little passages that we read from here. And if you go into Romans, you could add, for all, we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. You could find also in Romans that we were not only enemies of God, we were helpless, we were hopeless, we were haters of God. And I'm not making that up. That's what Scripture says. And you may think that you were not that bad. <laughs> you may say, well, you know, I, I don't think I, I've done this. But you've never seen sin from God's eyes. What God sees and what is under His wrath is no joke. His anger is so severe that those who enter into death without Christ, listen, will always and forever experience the wrath of God and never, never leave the lake of fire. That's alarming. I just want to remind you of this, believer in Christ. It's God who's rich in mercy. It is God who has changed you forever. He had every right to squash you like an ugly bug. But instead, He chose you, Ephesians 1 says. 
in this passage we've been studying. All we have to do is walk through these identifying things He's done for us. He chose you. He adopted you to be His child. He loves you. He called you to Himself. He gave up His Son to die for you. He forgave you because His Son paid your price. He cleansed you. He washed you clean from your sin. He redeemed you from the pit. He placed you in His home. He seated you in the heavenly places in Christ. He gave you a name to wear. He gave you righteousness. He gave you holiness. He placed you in His home. He, he, he looks at you in His eyes and sees Christ. He's determined that you should be like His Son. He's placed His name alongside Christ's. He placed your name alongside Christ's name as an heir. You're a joint heir with Christ. He has put you into the body of Christ, into the church. He's given you the unique gift that you can minister to others in the body of Christ. He, he has matured you. He's given you His Holy Spirit as a guide, as a teacher, as a counselor, as a helper. He has given you His strength to do the task He has given you to do. He has given you His wisdom. He has given to you His Word as a light unto your path. He's given you His Word as food to your soul. And besides all this, <laughs> He has given you life and food and clothing and shelter and everything, Scripture says, that you need for life and godliness. And you know what? He's not done yet. Because He says... And cap this all off. You're coming to live with me forever. Wow. Okay, tell me God doesn't love you. Considering where you were when He saw you and what He has done to save you, does that not say love all over it? Over and over we see in Ephesians 1, He's given you an identity in Christ. An identity you wear. Not because you've earned it. Not because I've earned it. It's not based on intelligence. It's not based on giftedness. It's not based on being six foot four. It's not based on anything like that. It's based on His love for you. He's done it all. He blessed you. He chose you. He made you holy. He made you blameless. He predestined you, adopted you, redeemed you, forgave you, informed you, made you an heir, and then sealed it by the Holy Spirit of promise. Wow, I love this passage. As I'm walking through this, I think, you know, when you come to the end of life, and you're ready to pass on from this life into the eternal life that God has for you, do you think God's going to see you, take one look at you and say, Nah, I don't think so. Although we live like that, don't we? We think somehow we've got to gain His approval every single day. We wake up and say, how am I going to get God to love me today? What good thing do I do? And then if we do something wrong, how do you feel? He must not like me anymore. He's going to throw me out. Folks, His name is written all over you. You're God's own possession. See it? He looks at you and He says, You belong to Me. You belong to Me. 
There was a song that came out many years ago. It seems like many years ago now. Uh, a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called Fingerprints of God. It was quite popular on the radio. I don't know if it hit number one. He did two or three that hit number one all at the same time. But uh, I remember this one. It was very, very dear. Um, it was written as if a father was looking at their child and their child was feeling somewhat poorly about themselves. They didn't measure up to what they wanted to be. And I'm going to read the words to this, this song. I thought it was very touching. And it says, I can see the tears filling your eyes. And I know where they're coming from. They're coming from a heart that's broken in two by what you don't see. The person in the mirror doesn't look like a magazine. But oh, when I look at you, it's clear to me that I can see the fingerprints of God. And I, I know it's true. You're a masterpiece. That all creation quietly applauds because you're covered with the fingerprints of God. Never has there been and never again will there be another you. Fashioned by God's hand. Perfectly planned to be just who you are. And what he's been creating since the first beat of your heart is a living, breathing, priceless work of art. And I can see the fingerprints of God. When I look at you, I could see the fingerprints of God, and I know it's true. You're a masterpiece that all creation quietly applauds because you're covered with the fingerprints of God. Just look at you. You're a wonder in the making, and God's not through. In fact, he's just getting started. Those little words were very precious to a lot of people to hear on the radio. I know they were. Because how often is this world telling you, you don't measure up? You're not good enough. You, you don't qualify. Especially if you make a big mistake. Oh, the world is quick to write us off, aren't they? How quickly they look for flaws, even though they're covered with them themselves. <laughs> but our world is very critical, is it not? Judgmental, to the fullest degree. It's even making up things now to blame people for. Because it's just got this quest to blame and to bring everybody down, further down, further down. And yet this passage that God has written for us in Him, you, you, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you know God moved in? The Holy Spirit is within you, believer in Christ. And he's given as a pledge of our inheritance. You just have to mark this. Have it known. Understand it. To show his purpose, his view of all that he's up to. He says, you are my possession. You are my possession. You are marked with my name. And the last phrase that goes with that is, to the praise of his glory. That's what he's done. He's done it for you. I began this study 19 messages ago. If you remember the point I started with, if you were with us, the point I started with is the fact that you have an enemy. You have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's a roaring lion, Scripture says, seeking someone to devour. He is our accuser. Scripture says, who stands before the Father's throne and calls on Him to renounce us 
to abandon us, to look and see that we who call Him Father has sinned again. We've sinned. We're no longer worthy of the name of Christ. He points out constantly that we're not, we ought to, not to be considered part of God's family. You're not fit for heaven. Satan comes and says to you then, God abandoned you. <laughs> See, he's trying to both edge ends of this. He comes and says, God renounced you. How many times when you got into sin, you thought that? He's renounced you. He's given you up. He's written you off. He saw your sin. He no longer sees worth in you. He doesn't want to see you. He doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't want to be around you. Just go away, he says. That's what Satan would want you to believe. He no longer thinks of you as his own. He's stripped you of all your identity. He's taken away what Christ has done for you because you're unfit for it. Folks, you were unfit for it the day you did it in the first place. When have we ever been fit for His grace? <laughs> Satan is a liar. Do you know that? He is a liar. And he wants more than anything for you to think that you're defeated, that you've been thrown out of God's family, that you have no hope. He wants you to focus on your unworthiness. He doesn't want you to know that the things we have studied here in Ephesians chapter 1 are true because God said so. He doesn't want you. How many times did he say, did God really say? He questions God's word all the time. This is what Ephesians chapter 6 says, are fiery darts. He is firing fiery darts at you. The fight is in an unseen enemy. It says in Ephesians 6, to use your Faith. What is the shield? The shield of faith. Now, that's precious. Think it through for a minute. You've been blessed with what God has promised. You stand in His truth. You say, that's true. I believe it. Though I am unworthy, I've been purchased with the blood of my Savior and I wear God's name. You stand there. The rest of this is in the hands of Christ. The rest of this is something that He has promised. If I'm in His hand, who can take me out of it? And He says, and you're in the Father's hand too. And who can take you out of His hand? No one. God made a promise. Do you see it? His promise said, I belong to Him. I belong to Him. He sealed that with a promise by giving me the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 said so. And He will come and He will claim His possession. Why? Because His name is on it. Do you know that's your future? It's not only who you are right now, but that guarantees who you are down the road too. You say, how do I know I'm going to make it into heaven? How do I know I'm going to even get past the gate? Because you wear God's name. You're His possession. That's where we start to add to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. Wow. All this to say, folks, if you hear these words today, you do not know Christ as your Savior. 
Do you know what you're missing out on? The fact is, He did die on a cross for you. He did do that. He did that for me too. I'm not any different than you are. I needed a Savior. And Jesus Christ is my Savior. You need a Savior too. If you don't know Him, you need a Savior. And I've got one to offer you. The Lord Jesus Christ. He will change your eternity if you come to Him. If you come to Him and trust Him and call upon Him by faith, receive Him. Just talk to Him. Talk to Him. He has promised that to save those who call upon His name. Now, if you hear these words today and you are a believer, I want to talk to you for a minute. If we were all to examine your life today, maybe you'd say, please don't. But if we all sat down and started to talk, would we be disappointed in something we'd find? You say, well, okay, you can hide it from us, but God knows. God sees. And believer, whatever that is that you're you're, you're into that you shouldn't be, that's not what God saved you for. He didn't call you to live in that. He saved you from those things. Scripture says, sin is no longer your playground. Keep out of it. Don't go there. He has saved you from these things. Instead, run to Him. Scripture gives us that invitation because there is nothing done that He is incapable of handling, that He is incapable of rescuing, and He has proved that time and time and time and time again. Don't think that anything in your life sinful is greater than our God's grace. It's not possible for you to, to spend all of His grace to use all of that up because it's as wide open, as free as... Well, let's talk about how rich His mercy is. <laughs> I can't even go into words to describe how great it is. It is great. But add to this, brother, sister, if you're feeling defeated, you go to a cross. You go to a cross and remember what God has done for you there to set you free. That is a reminder for us as believers that if the Son has set me free, I am free indeed. I am free indeed. Why? Because of some great thing I am? No. It's because I belong to Him. I belong to Him. His promises are true. His promises are faithful. He will never change His mind. He's just like His Word. Someday, someday, we're going to get away from this evil world. Wow, is that going to be great? We'll be away from this. Christ will come and take us up to be with Himself, and so shall we always be with the Word, with the Lord. And you know what it says after that in Scripture? Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That to me is an encouragement. That to me is an encouragement to see that I'm God's own possession. To read all of these things we've read in our identity and realize that that will not change because it's God's work and not mine. And He's put my name on me. His name on me. And He's put His name on you, child of God. You belong to Him. Will that help with Monday? Woo! It's good to know. 
We need to know these things. I hope you're encouraged by it. I hope you'll never forget the identity that you have in Jesus Christ. You're selected by the Father. You're saved by the Son. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's only three words that follow all that. And that is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, cause this to stitch inside of us. Not just to study to say that, well, we made it through that passage and what's next. But may this be altering in our thinking, in our living, in our anticipation that yes, since we belong to you, you're going to come and receive us to our, yourself. That day is coming because we belong to you and you will claim your possession. Until then, Lord, we as brothers and sisters need to walk together. We live in a very wicked world, and you know that, Father. That's why you've given it to us this word, to encourage us step by step. We do have a, an enemy that will take our eyes off of you so easily, cause us to look so poorly upon ourselves as, as sinful creatures, unworthy of the love of God. That may all be true, but the reality is, you loved us even while we were yet sinners and Christ died for us. Help us to keep our perspective correct as we carry on in this world around us. Lord, we all need this. In one way or another, we need this. I pray that you encourage our hearts with it. Thank you for your great love. If there's somebody here today who needs to know Christ as Savior, draw them to yourself right now. Lord, you're the only one who can save. We ask that you save today. Save those who need you. And we praise this, pray this and we praise you, Lord, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.